Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. She was nominated for her first Tony, doing her first Broadway show. Welcome, Emily Skaggs. A-OK. A-OK. My guest today is the Tony-nominated actress, Emily Skaggs. Emily's theater credits include both the off-Broadway and Broadway productions of Fun Home, for which she was nominated for a Tony Award for the role of Middle Allison. Other theater credits include And I and Silence, Take Me Along, Our Town, and The Shakespearean Jazz Show. Television credits include the ABC miniseries When We Rise in a role she shares with Mary Louise Parker, Don't Think Twice, Salem, and The Miseducation of Cameron Post. She went to LaGuardia High School, she went, which is the fame high school, and Emerson College. She was born and raised in New York City. I feel as if this is the very beginning of what will become a very long resume. Welcome, Emily Skaggs, to the podcast. Oh, man, my heart's fluttering. My heart is fluttering. I'm so thrilled that we were able to work this out because you are a busy lady. So yes. 
I've been watching When We Rise. It's a really extraordinary miniseries. I'm very proud of network television for moving into such powerful content and telling stories like this about the LGBTQ community leaders. And you play Roma Guy. Mm -hmm. Is that her real name? That's her real name. You know, a lot of the characters in, in our series have extraordinary names. Cleve Jones, Ken Jones, Dion Jones, none of them are related. Amazing. Um, Roma Guy. And, you know, they're people that, they're people that, you know, when I got the audition, I Googled Roma Guy. I was like, who is this extraordinary person that's done all this work? And she's, she barely had an internet presence. She's Mm -hmm. one of those activists that you may have never heard of, but whose work has reverberated throughout, you know, the past Right. 40 years history yeah yeah and um so it's really exciting it's not they're not only highlighting these really important historical events in our civil rights history but these people that i don't think have gotten the recognition that they deserve now it's not often that the people i interview although dan fogler i think is another example of this um someone who made their broadway debut and then was nominated or won a tony <laughs> for the part I know. I was listening to that podcast, that that one, and I was like, oh, my God, we've got a similar track. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, exactly. So if we if we really look at this so far, a lot of the roles you've you've had the great fortune and our great fortune of seeing you in were real people. So that's kind of interesting, too, right? The difference between making somebody up and sort of the yeah. the um, pressure and thrill of playing a real person. So if you can take us through, because most of us got to know you because of Fun Home. Mm-hmm. And I know that you had a, a slightly unorthodox introduction into that show. Yes. Would you be kind enough to take us through... The life of Fun Home with Emily Skag. You know, I'll start. My agent had dropped me. Mm, I love that. When that flounder. best feeling ever. Yes. I was like, oh, great. I just graduated college, moved back to New York, living at home with my parents, and I have no direction. So I called Sandy Faison, who is the head of the LaGuardia drama program, and I said, what the heck do I do? I have no idea what to do. She introduced me to her husband's agent. I met with that agent. We fell in love. A week later, she sent me out for Fun Home to be the understudy at the Off-Broadway production, and I I booked it. <laughs> I got the audition on a Monday morning. They said they want to see you Tuesday. What did you do at the audition? Sort of the two long bedroom scenes in Fun Home between Medium Allison and Joan, and then they had me prepare changing my major. And, you know, I had 24 hours with this material, and Changing My Major is a song that I feel like it's. it took me the three years that we sat with Fun Home to really <laughs> actually by the end be like, oh, I really do understand every single nuance and beat of this song. It's such a beast of a song. So, you know, and I was so nervous. And I went in and uh, on, on Tuesday and um, one of the casting directors uh, from the public, she's incredible, she stood up in sort of this unorthodox way and read the scene with me on the other side of the table, like standing. So I was already very nervous. And then that made me even more nervous because she was right there. But it worked for Medium Allison. And uh, then I sang the song. And, you know, it's one of those songs, the beginning of it is such a, it's, you almost feel like you're running to keep up in a sense if you're not on top of the 
on top of it yourself. And I remember Janine just stopped me you know, like 20 seconds into the song. I was like, stop, stop, stop. Just slow down. She's like, slow down and just focus on every word. And I thought like I, I've i just botched this audition. Right. Unless someone's stopping your audition to say, you're amazing. Right. It's, you just don't know which way is this going to go. You have no yeah. idea. Like, no ouch. Idea. Ouch. Yeah. I was like, I was, I was hurting. I was hurting. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is so confusing. Mr. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Do you need a house yeah. cleaner? I know. Wouldn't that be better suited for dog walkers? I mean, I mean, I've been doing those kinds of sure. jobs. You know, I was look like, at my special skills. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of my special skills was balloon animal making. Like I'd been working as like a children's party enthusiast was my title. Like I was working these just crazy weird jobs. So that. You know, being an actor didn't feel like something that was possible. And your expectation was right when you left the theater, you'd go back to balloon animals. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. That's generally, percentage-wise, what happened? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so she stops you. You catch your breath. I catch my breath. I, I go through, like, the first stanza of the song. I make it through the audition. And they're like, great, thank you, goodbye. And my agents are like, you'll know by tomorrow. Tomorrow rolled around. I'd been in yoga. I was like, I'm not going to get the call. Right. I had a voicemail saying they want you to play the understudy in front of them. And so that alone was like a huge victory. Sure. And really sort of life-changing. So we want you to be the understudy. <laughs> and then what? Uh, so I, I came into the show. And you're starting tomorrow. Actually, yeah, that was exactly what happened. They were like, you're start. they want you to come see the show tonight. And you're starting. Um, so I sort of had to be like, sorry, children's birthday party enthusiast company. Sorry, little Jimmy. Yeah. Poor little Jimmy. Ooh. Jimmy can come see Fun Home. Yeah. Would he like that for his birthday? Exactly. <laughs> Just like learn about what the future is for you, Jimmy. Having met Jimmy, this is a good show for him to see. All right. <laughs> <Exactly>. So. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I, st- so I started just by watching the show. Uh, Lisa Donner, incredible stage manager, taught me the show during the day, and I watched it at night. And I spent, you know, like a week or two learning the show. I had my first put-in with the, with the cast, and um, it was just very – it was fast. It was super, super fast. And, you know, I also had this feeling that, like, I had to grab the bull by the horns. I, you know, if there was a chance that I was going to go on, I – I had to be prepared. I had to make sure I was doing the absolute best I could be doing. And I think that, you know, looking back on it, I feel like if I had not been in that place of, you know, my agents had just dropped me, I I was floundering, you know, if I hadn't been in a place that was ready to grab the opportunity and run with it, I don't know if I'd be where I am now. Because I had my put in and then about a week later, I went on for the first time uh, with like, 45 minutes notice. It was super, super fast. Wow. And, you know, I'm usually not very good at uh, putting myself in denial of my own anxieties. But for some reason that night, I was like, I'm doing it. We're, we're doing it. You know, and like Judy and Beth were like, are you, are you doing, you, you doing okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> like totally Don't in touch denial. Me. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What do you see? <laughs> Why, do I not seem great? <laughs> was like, I'm totally ready. Yeah. I had a put in rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was kind of, it was like a little bit delusional, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And do you remember that performance? I do. I, because, you know, it's funny things when you do put in, you like, 
there's no lights. You, I think I did it with a mic, but other people didn't. Right. So, so, so many things about it are new. And, you know, like I had been watching the show, so I sort of – I like crafted my performance on what I saw and what I read in the script. But like I, I hadn't at that point even worked with Sam Gold. I had like a half-hour session with Janine to work on the song and that was sort of it. And then the next morning they called me in and they were like, we want you – to take over the role. So it was a very, it was a rapid fire. So you didn't have an awareness of any backstage drama that may have been going on yeah. or that someone might be leaving. You were just there to understudy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it happened so fast. It all happened so fast. As I've now learned thing, things do happen in this industry, it's fat. It's, you know, wait, 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 wait. And then all of a sudden sprint. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a crazy thing. And then once I was no longer the understudy and the role was mine, you know, there was this show that they had built already. And um, Sam, when I took over – or no, Sam Gold, when I understudied, he said, have you ever understudied before? And I said, no. And he said – I'm 12. I, know, I, know. I, I don't even know. know. What? Where am I? I was like, oh, understudy, no, but I'm sure I could do it. Yeah. And he was like, well, I have, and it's terrifying. And he said, the job of an understudy is to support a show that everybody has built together. You have to help them keep the show afloat. And, um, and your job is to support everyone else, which I'm incredibly grateful that he said that to me. It's, it sort of changed the way I work everywhere, I think – what does he mean by that? And how is that different than if you're not an understudy? You know, when when you are cast in a role and, you know, from day one you're at the table read, you're building these scenes, you're exploring it with everybody and um, creating the world of the show, that takes a lot of work. And I think it's can sometimes be hard. I know, you know it was a little bit hard on Roberta when I stepped in because she had spent all this time building this relationship with this other actor and all of a sudden I was there and we didn't have a history and we, right. you know, didn't have a common understanding. And so that was something you have to build. And and I felt like while that's true as an understudy, you do have to support the show that's already been built. I still think it's true when you're not an understudy. I You know, I think this is a profession that where ego can creep in and the reminder that you're building something with a group of people and you have to support them is something that I'm I'm always driving home. I'm always telling young actors, you know, I went back to my summer my musical theater summer camp and they were like, "What's the first thing you should remember when you do a play?" And I was like, "Take care of each other. Take care you're building this together. Right. At the end of the day, you're all up there on stage." So that profoundly changed the way I work. So when there was a break between the public theater production and Broadway, do they tell everyone, like, we're moving to Broadway and be ready to start? Was it clear what the next step was for you? It kind of wasn't clear for anybody where we were going to go. And for me especially, I, I knew I kind of stumbled into right, this. Right, you came in through the back door yeah, in a way. Yeah, 
Exactly, exactly. And I was so grateful to be there at all that I sort of didn't have any expectation. That you would get to keep going with it. Yeah. And, you know, certainly I hoped. I, I hoped and dreamed. Did they have people re-audition when it went to Broadway? Yeah. So that so I got – we closed in January and I got the call on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, yeah. Emily. <laughs> Sam was like, happy Valentine's Day. By the way, we just want to let you know, you know – Broadway is a, a difficult thing. It's financially, I think, a terrifying thing. And uh, to keep a show afloat, people have to try a lot of things. So they were looking at possible celebrities for the role of B.D. Allison. They asked Anna Kendrick. They asked Shalane Woodley. You know, they asked these these big names. Because they were scared. And, you know, like the role, it was the role that a celeb would walk into and feel happy with and, and would be featured. And so I understood. I, I get it. It's a so hard So you had thing. to wait. I waited and they re-auditioned after a bunch of celebrities said no. They auditioned sort of like every girl in the city. And I was getting calls that were like, hey, you were in this. Can you give me advice? It, you know, it was like it was very strange. Um, yeah, sing it really fast. Like the top of <laughs> the top of changing my major, like sing as quickly as possible. <laughs> like she's not a thoughtful person. Do you want to really speed that. through it? Do you mean she <laughs> loves that? And if you could do balloon animals while you do it, it sounds like an inside joke, but it's not. So you exactly. said that. You totally exactly. said that. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. There was about nine months of that. There was about nine months of right. waiting. Of giving birth to anxiety and yeah. sadness if it doesn't happen. Yeah. And they said, you know, you'll hear this day at 6 o'clock. And that day rolled around there. You'll hear the next week at 6 o'clock. You know, and so finally they were like, this is the final day. You will know. And I was t- terrified. And they were like, we'll call you by 5. 5.20 rolled around. And I was like, I need to get a drink. I can't. I can't this is crazy. It. This is torture. It was a little bit. <laughs> a little bit torturous. And, you know, I grew up in New York and, you know, my parents, you know, took me to Broadway all the time. They took me to shows. That was something that they exposed me to at a very, very young age. And so it was always, it was always a dream of mine. This was a dream of mine that I didn't think I would have uh, even the inkling of the opportunity to, to be a part of. Let alone so quickly after school in something changing the history of musical theater forever. Exactly. Something so happened. important, yeah. not only on the social level, but artistically. It's an incredible, incredible show. And I'd grown up like going to the video store and renting Sunday in the Park with George oh, and, too. you know, getting the, the VHS of Into the Wood. You know, these were it was it was that kind of show. Were your parents actors also? They are not. They're just sort of lovers of the theater. My dad's dad, um, my dad grew up in Ohio and his dad, actually, strangely enough, was an interior designer, very similar to Bruce in um, more ways than my family really understood until I got to Fun Home. Wow. Yeah, so we had our we had sort of our own family uh, reckoning with the show. But so he used to take buying trips to New York with his interior design partner and see shows and bring back playbills and bring back the records, the, the Broadway cast, the cast recordings albums, yeah. and for my dad. So there was always sort of a part of his world. And then my mom's grandparents would take her to shows. So they're, they're appreciators. Right. You know, they, but they exposed it to you and that's how your family celebrated. Yeah. And, and Yeah. When I was things. four, they took me to the Guys and Dolls revival with Nathan Lane. 
which is incredible. But they they literally I was four. So (laughs) the ushers were not going to let me in. They were like, she's too young. She can't come in. And my parents were like, no, you, you don't understand. She's a good kid. Like, she'll be fine. And then I fell in love with it and (laughs) was prancing around my apartment for, like, weeks after going, take back, give me. Totally. Take back. And my parents were like, oh, my God, we've ruined her. We've created a monster. (laughs) Get her a me. What made you think that I was one of those girls? Like, that's ridiculous for a four-year-old. I know. But adorable. Adorable (laughs) in retrospect. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So for a long time, that, that seed was planted early. I never thought it was necessarily something I could actually do. So did you, other than adorably mimicking Faith Prince, um, (laughs) you have an incredible voice. And I listened to Changing My Major. I listened to that a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think the world would agree that you're a singer. When did you understand that not just mimicking was how you could sing, but that you have your own voice? Was that something that you cultivated? Was it in... At LaGuardia, were you an, a drama student or a, in the vocals department? I in was high a school? drama student at LaGuardia. Yeah, I, I was in the drama major. But I think that, you know, musicals, they were always something that I loved. And I don't even think that I, you know, I would sing along. I don't think I even figured out that I had my own voice until maybe the Broadway production of Fun Home. Mm-hmm. Singing was always something I loved to do, but. What always fascinated me was the acting of a song. And I never – I didn't really find vocal confidence until the Broadway production of Fun Home. I went to college and I didn't study. I didn't do any musical So when theater. you auditioned for the understudy part at the public and had to sing, did you work with a coach? Had you ever auditioned for a musical before I, professionally? I yes. And I'd done – I in high school I did a show – at the Irish rep that was a musical. But I just didn't, I never, I never never had confidence in myself as a singer. Okay. So I had a vocal coach who has helped me immensely. But yeah, no, I got that, I got that call under study in a musical and I was like, oh, crap. Like, I can't do that. Do they mind if I don't do the singing part? Yeah. (laughs) Can I just dance along? Would that be okay? Can they do that? I move well. I do the chicken. Yeah. Emily, this is a, I know you can't see it's us, but she just started the chicken. Do, 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 wah, 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 wah. I was um, like, when are they going to find out I'm a hack? I don't know. But you're really good at the chicken dance, and you look Thank like you. a chicken to me just Should now. Should I put that on my special skills? Absolutely. It probably um, probably helps that I'm wearing overall Oshkosh bagosh. See your Ohio roots. I know. Grandpa. Um, all right. So... They finally call you. You're about to, like, stick a needle in your arm. But <laughs> thank God they called you. It wasn't 5 or 520, but eventually they were like, actually. It was around 645. Emily Skaggs, <laughs> you're going to Broadway. Yeah. And yeah. where were you, like, where when that happened? Uh, you were I, lying on the bathroom I was floor. at the Mermaid Inn enjoying their $1 oyster happy hour. Good work. Good work. <laughs> I feel like even now there's that. 20 seconds of celebration. Oh my God, I got the job. And then followed by like about five months of like, oh my God, how the heck am I going to do this? And with Fun Home, it was especially, that was especially true because I'd learned this role from watching someone else. And, you know, I walked in day one and I had to sort of forget everything I had learned and start from square one, which was. It was was a slight reinvention of the show when you guys moved. Yeah. And, you know, finally I had the opportunity to do some table work and exploration of my own with the character. And, you know, it was hard. There were days where Sam 
I remember this one day, you know, we had a short, we had about three weeks for the Broadway run um, for rehearsal. I remember Sam one day saying, uh, what you're doing right now, none of it is working, but we're going to figure it out. And that confidence of we are going to figure out as a group, um, you know, that I'm supported and that, you know, it's hard to hear nothing that you're doing is working, <laughs> but... To have someone have the confidence in you that, you know, we are going to figure it out is pretty... More impressive to me is that you have the confidence in yourself, (laughs) right? Because that would be enough to make most people go, you know what, I'll be right back and find a corner and sob. Because that's not... That doesn't feel good. There was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of that. We were... uh, we were rehearsing in this weird basement of this church on 50, what is it, 57th Street? Sounds very glamorous. Yeah, there was a crypt in the corner. Perfect. It was very strange. It's where the Rockettes rehearse because it's a big enough room. It's sort of like the, the, the basement gymnasium of this church. It was I'm a- sorry, so the Rockettes rehearse in the basement <laughs> gymnasium of a church on 57th Street that yes. also has a crypt. Yes, they Got do. it. And they turned they down do. Trump? <laughs> what? All right, that's I don't even understand what's happening right now. Okay, so somehow, somehow, I just want to say we figured it out, didn't we? Because we were nominated for a Tony. Yes. So yes. what greater, I don't know, I don't think the word is revenge. <laughs> I can't see it was a vengeful person. Triumph. <laughs> Maybe triumph. triumph. That's right. Also, yeah. that all the Allisons were nominated. I know. It's kind of extraordinary. I know. Like, I mean, first of all, Sydney Lucas, there's that. Yes. Beth Malone, there's that. It's all I can do to keep myself from not asking you to spend this entire interview <laughs> just singing. And I'm not going to make you. I'm going to make you. You're going to change your major to Alana at the very end. Uh, of I can already the feel interview. it. It's happening. I would never in a million years compare my vocal stylings or talent to yours. But I do understand the thrill of there being a part of your career. There are things one can imagine, but if you haven't grown up doing musical after musical, and if you, like me, grew up loving musicals so Mm -hmm. much, I just know there are very few things in life where fantasy and reality crash, and it is everything you hoped for. That is so beautifully put. When I got to be in a Broadway musical for a moment in my life, I literally could not believe that I was in a musical. And when people like all of the cast members who were bona fide Broadway stars and singers would like, I I couldn't, I would never complain. There wasn't a second of it where I was like, I'm sorry. I felt like I'd like won a walk on. Like I won the (laughs) raffle and I get to walk on a Broadway stage with like Anthony Rapp. Like it was just so crazy for me the entire year that that was in my life. And so I only bring that up because I understand the gloriousness of being in a Broadway musical when you have loved them. So very much. This is I'm like biting my tongue because I'm just so excited hearing you talking about this because I saw Your Good Man Charlie Brown with my parents. It was one of those shows they took me to and it changed my life. I listened to that. That was that show was when I decided, oh, this is what I want to do. I was obsessed with that show. Wow. We listened to the Broadway cast recording 
constantly. I was just like fascinated with with this idea of adults playing children yeah. in such like familiar ways. You know, I felt I it was a strange feeling. You know, I'm watching Charlie Brown, and for some reason, I felt seen. It was so. It was. It was. It still is a huge part of my life. Oh. I'm like I'm, I'm fangirling. Oh, over here I'm so because... excited! I do feel like Alison Bechdel was able to put into graphic novel form, which is a very current way of doing cartoons. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of amazing to make it so accessible to people with pictures too. And right, I feel like that was such a unique experience as a theater goer to be in the presence of the fun home characters in that way. A lot came at you from your audience. I mean, it's a big responsibility when you're carrying a show like that because you have a lot of people's hearts that you're taking with you during that time. I'm sure you're very full from that experience still. I am. I am. It was one of those shows where you know, even if we did it 355 times, you could feel people in the audience and you could feel how uh, important it was to them or how uh, foreign and new it was to them. And it was – it fueled us in a way, having them so close and, and having them – they were a part of the show. Yeah, There were, there were times where um, – be singing the finale and there'd be someone sitting right in front of me and I can feel what they're feeling. It was it was a really uh, incredible experience. And yeah, you know, I will say I feel as an actor, I've been very lucky to, you know, I, I sort of, these new projects where it's a script that's based on fiction where there, you know, all I have is this script and what the writer says, well, this character is that, you know, it's like, that's exciting, but What's more exciting is having a graphic novel. Right. And where's the YouTube video of the person that I could write? Yeah. Right. It's like, I. I, So do you prefer that having done both now? Are you, I mean, to prefer it is maybe not the best way to phrase (laughs) it, but, but so far. So far, you know, I think it's, it's changed the way I approach roles that are not based on real people uh, because I feel like playing someone real. There's a lot of responsibility to make sure that they feel well represented. And so now I try – if I get a fictionalized character, I try to think, OK, well, if this person in real life was seeing them and uh, seeing their life, like how how would they feel about it? Am I reaching a depth where I'm making this character as uh, whole as possible? Am I showing their flaws as well as their perks? Am I, am I, am I making this a whole – character that would feel well well represented. So now that you've sort of done long and short runs in the theater and have had a chance to do a bunch of stuff on screen since Fun Home between Salem and and When We Rise, you're at the beginning of your work and your craft, and I'm sure you're trying to figure it out. So how has the approach to the work differed on stage and on screen? Uh, I really do feel like I'm at the beginning. When I hear Tony nominated before my name, it's sort of like, what? That's ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, so I, I, and I sort of feel like I've I've got, I'm just now getting to the point where I can walk into an audition and not be like totally terrified and actually, um, actually do some craft, actually do some work in there. So, um, but the difference between theater and television for me, I, I mean, I've always sort of had, 
I've always gotten the note in theater, like, I know you're feeling something, but I'm not quite seeing it yet. Mm. A lot of the time in Fun Home, Sam was encouraging me to get bigger and get bigger and get bigger. And so I sort of feel like I was at a, a I had an advantage when it came to switching over to th- TV and film. I feel like the difference between Medium Allison in Fun Home and Roma in When We Rise is, you know, they're both going through really similar things, trying to come to terms with who they are and their sexuality and how to carry that forward. But Roma is doing it in in a quiet, a quiet under the skin, under behind the eyes sort of way, whereas um, Medium Allison is singing a song about it. Um, but those two things are rooted in the same feeling. And so it's just been a lot of, uh, it's been a lot of sort of keeping it under rather than letting it bubble out into a song. Because Fun Home was a long run, marvelously so. Yeah. Did you find yourself having certain rituals or pre-show things that you needed to do or superstitions or, oh, my God, I forgot the red glove. Can I go on tonight? Or you, do you have any of those sorts of things? <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I had a little pocket that they sewed into my pants with Velcro Uh that was originally for my Fitbit, which was really stupid. And after a while, I was like, this is torturous. Wait, (laughs) wait, Emily's Fitbit or Medium Allison? What? Emily Skeggs' Fitbit. (laughs) It's very embarrassing. Little known fact, Emily Skeggs as Medium Allison had a Fitbit sewn into her pants. So you're you're conscious of fitness. I am. I am. And actually, we all sort of as a cast and crew on matinee days would work out in between shows, we were it. really by the crypt. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Basically, in the basement of uh, of Circle in the Square, which some would say is crypt like. <laughs> so we were really, really tight knit. It was a beautiful thing. Um, my Fitbit pocket eventually turned into my Grother's pastille pocket. I, I became very. Um, do you know about these things? They're incredible. Grother's pastilles. Tell us about them. Grother's Pastille. This I'm looking for sponsorships, so this yes. would be great. Wait, they're great. Okay, we're going to do it. Are you listening, Grothers? <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a website that we could get 25% off at? Okay. They actually, they come in like a tin. They're very old-fashioned. They're like a... They're like, like an a, Altoids kind of tin with like the pretty yeah, writing on yes, it? Yes, I know yes. exactly what you're talking about. They're incredible. They, they lubricate the throat mm-hmm. in a way that... Um, well, you know, I guess they say it's in a way that a cough drop can't. But, you know, I, I got really um, – if I didn't have one in my pocket, I'd get really anxious. And would you eat it during the play? Yeah. And Roberta was like, you taste weird. <laughs> like, well, you know what? Well, sorry. You know I'd be like, I, the, I they are my steel. sponsors. <laughs> I have to eat these on stage. I get a dollar every time. <laughs> so she would yeah. say, you taste weird. And, and I'd be say, like, sorry. thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I love you, Roberta. I love you, and the scene is we're going to crush it tonight. You did. So other than that, you were okay. Would you guys yeah. warm up together? Less as a group. I would I would always try to warm up. Roberta would – she's not a musical theater person. She would always do squats at at uh, at places, which was great. We all we all sort of had our thing. By the end, we we were gathering together, holding hands, praying to the great gay gods. And every day we would summon a, a great gay god, which was really beautiful <laughs> and hilarious. That's sweet. I feel like there yeah. should be playing cards. Oh my great god! god. Is yes. there? Would they be my sponsors? Yes. <laughs> the great gay. This cards. is great, Emily. We're on to something. We're quite entrepreneurial. I think we're we not are. just actors. 
I am also an artist, a visual artist. So you could make things and we could sell them. Yes, this what? is my downfall, actually. <laughs> you have too this many is talents. My downfall. Little known fact, you have way too many talents. I gather like, oh, all these scraps of paper, they, I could do something with them. And then they just pile up in the corner. I have a feeling that's not true. I have a feeling you make things. I do make things. I do make things. I live in the same apartment I grew up in with my parents. And so stuff piles up. So will we see your family like on an episode of Hoarders or it's not quite that extreme? You know, I always sort of morbidly joke that we're like one emotional crisis away from Okay. So if we keep things down. okay for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Are you if an only child? sponsorship comes through. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm an only child. I'm an only child. My parents tried a lot. And but they got it so right. Yes, one. One perfect. <laughs> They broke yes. the mold. <laughs> Were they trying before you or after you to have more kids? Both. So I'm I'm their special their special baby. I'm very lucky. They've been incredibly supportive of me and they are still incredibly supportive of me and uh supportive of my friend, my mom, you know. She's just incredible. She's always loved the arts so much and she's wanted to support the arts. So, you know, we had a friend who was doing a program at the city company for a year and she slept on our couch and lived in our living room you know about two and a half years ago my boyfriend was moving from boston to new york and they were like well he should just move in with us and so we all live together it's pretty i hope my kids feel that way and will stay and just bring their my fantasy is exactly that that rather than them leaving they will bring their special people in their lives to come be with us. Like, nothing would make me happier. They are so lucky. They are so lucky to have It really would feel that way. I wanted to ask you in terms of when you say having a boyfriend, obviously you would become someone that a lot of people look to in the lesbian community Mm -hmm. or or in the gay community, just people who feel like they want to see themselves represented in the work. And you've Mm -hmm. played in particular real leaders, whether you're playing Alison Bechdel or Roma Guy or just the people that you you've been taking on. And I even read a quote somewhere when I was researching you. I think it was in Seventeen magazine where they basically asked young people when they knew that they were gay or bi. And one young girl said that she she doesn't live in New York, so she probably saw a clip of Fun Home on YouTube Mm -hmm. or something. And she said that she saw Changing My Major song And she watched you, and she felt like, that's me. And she thought you were really beautiful. So it was a combination of that's me and I would like Emily Skaggs to be my girlfriend. I think it was a two – that's a two-part question. Um, You know, I had Ben Platt on the show, and he's had to come to terms with, I'm actually not socially in trouble all the time. Uh, the way my character in Dear Evan Hansen is, and I have to learn to be okay with that. And my audience needs to understand that after the show, I am not still Evan Hansen. And sometimes he feels like I don't want to disappoint them, that we aren't the same if they're responding so deeply to the part. That's real. That's a very real feeling, and and I feel for him in that. I think that I've never tried to hide the fact that, you know, I'm deeply in love with a man. I've never, you know, he's all over my Instagram. I'm obsessed with him. In a totally healthy way. (laughs) I have He really is my boyfriend. I promise. (laughs) Um, Call me. (laughs) Oh my God, imagine. Um, That's another show. Yeah. 
But, I, you know, it's like the same day that I bought a mechanics jumpsuit, he bought a pink phone. In the biggest way, it's not about gender for the two of us. And I think that, you know, my, my best friend from college, he, you know, he asked me, he was like, are people asking you this question? And I was like, well, sort of, not quite yet. And he was like, you're queer. He was like, you are, you are part of the queer community in a big way. And I think there are a lot of things about the queer community that I really identify with. So you know it's a funny it's a funny thing. There's a lot of fluidity. There's in a your lot of fluidity. Life experience. Yeah, I there's a lot of fluidity and I think we we live in a time where things aren't as straightforward and clear cut. Can so, I ask as someone who's from a different generation yeah. and completely like learning as I go because you know when I was in college the pronoun they yeah. was not in use. Like there's there's ways our language is changing, there's way roles are changing, expectations are changing and and I love everything about it. Right. To my core. But would you explain to me, and I know there's not one definition, when you say queer, what does that mean to you? For me in particular, being straight is not a big defining thing in my life. Right. I see myself as a human that loves many other humans. And um, it's hard. I don't, I don't want to get in trouble because I know that gender is a difficult situation right now for a lot of people. But I, you know, I... I don't necessarily wake up and say, oh, I have to dress like this because I have a vagina. (laughs) Right. A couple of months ago, I was flying. We were – or I guess that was about a year ago. We were shooting When We Rise, and I was flying from Vancouver to San Francisco. And there was a a misprint on the roster or whatever on the plane, and Mr. Skeggs was my name. And I was dressed – in like definitely looked like a young man and they said Mr. Skaggs I didn't really hear them and I was like oh yeah that's me Skaggs yeah sure and I'll take the (laughs) gluten-free yeah (laughs) right I'll have a special meal thank you um and they they sort of went okay and they called me young man the entire flight young man here's your lemonade Mrs. and you know I it didn't bother me that that doesn't I, I don't have a preference. I, I know that there are people that do, though, and so I didn't want to sort of taint it for the next person who it really mattered for. You know, right. if if they thought I really wanted to be called young man, they were doing a beautiful job of it. And, uh, you know, I have someone who I'm very close with who's transitioning who um, was really worried about flying, specifically because of TSA. and And so it gave me a lot of hope. Yeah. Give me a lot of hope. So I think in that, in that sort of a small, strange way, I do. I feel very connected to the queer community. I, you know, I cannot deny, and I would never want to, um, to hide who I am. You know, I am a cisgendered female who is in love with a cisgendered male, but I think very much so that. Um, I'm a part of that world in a way, and I'm very honored to be. And I think it also comes with a lot of responsibility. A lot of the projects I've been doing lately are queer-centric projects. That's not the only reason I've been doing them, though. They're very socially important. That's the first thing that matters to me is this role that I think is socially important. Yes. And right now we're in. We're really lucky that we're in an era where um, the stories that are being told are – um, these stories that haven't necessarily been told. Yeah, that's incredible. my sort of wandering spiel about. 
We call them WSs. They are wandering shields <laughs> about things that are really important yeah. to us. And the respect that you offer up is all anyone can ask for. Well, and it's still something I'm sort of trying to figure out. Sure. Still, you know, it's a yeah. it's a funny. It is a funny thing. I didn't start my career saying I want to play a a gaggle of you know lesbian icons. That wasn't something that I was aiming for, but it's something that I'm so grateful I found. And also you're just channeling each time something really special between you and the person. It's been just breathtaking to watch. Now, I wanted to ask you, although I would say your fun home audition at the public definitely circles the question of auditions that are perhaps funny in retrospect or can be an anecdotal um, joy (laughs) right now, but at the time really challenged your confidence. Does anything come to mind from your... Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So I've always been someone that learns better by doing um, than... um, Reading the direction? Reading the... Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not... That's my entire baking life. (laughs) And that's the worst thing to not follow directions on. It's actually science. Yeah, it (laughs) is science. It's science. I know, but I I can't. Oh, God, it's awful. It's good enough. It's good enough, Emily. Yeah. Well, and I've sort of been I've been really lucky that I I think that I've learned by doing in auditioning and um, haven't like royally screwed up. At at this point, I've learned what is right and what is not right to do. But I uh, think I did it in a pretty safe way in the moment. Okay. It's very lucky. So this one audition that I is mortifying. I can't even. It's hard to even. Think so tell about. the story with your eyes closed, and then it'll be easier. It's <laughs> oh <God>, even worse. <laughs> in college, I, I went to Emerson College in Boston, but I was coming back to New York like maybe once a month to audition for stuff. I was still very much rooted in New York and wanted to be working. Uh, I had this audition. You know, I was like, I think it was in the middle of midterms or something. So I wasn't, I was very distracted. And at that point, I, you know, I was like, you have the paper in front of you and you read the lines and, you know, you'll be fine. You know, now I understand the importance of reading a script and really making sure that you are, uh, you've prepared. read the whole script. Yes, prepared. What yeah. a novel idea. Sure. Um, but at the time, you know, I was a little, I was a little kid and, uh, you know, I was distracted by like college and I went into this audition and, yeah, I was like, I was marginally prepared. And he said, well, do you have any questions? And I was just being completely cheeky and ridiculous. And I said, well, what happens in the end? <laughs> and, he, the, you know, he had, he took none of it. He was like, are you kidding me? You didn't, you didn't read the script. That's your job. And I was mortified. Uh, yeah, and I am mortified telling it now. <laughs> so you didn't get that job. Uh, yeah, no, surprisingly, no. I, I did not book that job. Okay. Well, I think lesson learned. Lesson hard learned. Right. And not necessarily that you have to read it, but just act like you did, <laughs> yeah. if nothing else. Learn how to fake it, Skeggs. That's right. Come on, fake it, Skeggs. That's her Instagram name. Well, fake it, Skeggs. Now comes the portion of the show where you just sing for the next 30 minutes. (laughs) I am like, I'm changing my major to Emily. I know I'm not original in saying that, but I am. My heart. I am just I don't want to stop talking with you. You know what? So let's just, we'll turn off, we'll turn off the microphones and then we'll just go get lunch. It'll be fine. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am just so happy.
If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post-production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc.